This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Matthew, hello. Welcome to season three. Michelle, welcome back to the Sunshine State. It's so good to have you and touch you. We're in the same room. We're in the same room and we are back, dear valued listener, for you bet season we are. three of Eminem, the we'd, podcast. We'd love to uh, say hello to Matthew, hello to Michelle, and also hello to Sophie, mm. who runs On Track Studios, where we are recording right now. We are, and she's levelled up, honey. Last year I was in a very different recording space. This year I'm in an, a, a deluxe suite, if you you will. There's some luxury going on here, definitely, absolutely. Mm. And we're recording on the lands of the Guppy Guppy people in Nambour. So what we'd like to do to start with is acknowledge the country on which we're recording. We acknowledge that we're recording this podcast on lands that were not ceded to Europeans. We acknowledge the elders, the young people, and the ancestors of the Indigenous First Peoples who live on country on these lands now called Australia and who endure on this continent as the oldest continuous living culture on earth. We're grateful for the opportunity to live and work on lands that are on country on the beautiful, very special place that's now called the Sunshine Coast. Beautiful. Thank you, Michelle. I think it's very important that we make that acknowledgement. So join us for M-flavoured goodness. We're Glitterbugs. We're sharing the sparkle babies. I love Glitterbugs for us, Michelle. Me we too. We are little Glitterbugs. Now, this episode is an absolute banger. Sure is. Our theme for this week, my love, is modern science. Or, or as we used to say, modern science. Yes, it's sciencey stuff. Mm. We love the sciencey stuff. We're by no means science experts, but our words this week are pretty exciting and pretty interesting. Mm. So I might invite you immediately to kick off then, Michelle. I'd love to. My word today is melitology. So the way that we spell that is... Mel- going to be in front of me in a moment. Mel- it's M-E-L-I-T-T-O-L-O-G-Y. So what is it exactly? I have no idea. Please inform me. I'll let you know. It's the study of bees. 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 Like bumblebees. Absolutely. It's an arm of natural science and the word itself is based upon a number of different roots. So melita is bee plus Logia, which is a branch of etymology. Mm -hmm. So it gives you the idea that this is science based around the study of bees. Mm. Now, so bees are a vital part of local and global ecosystems. They are nature's tiny little workers and they are the biggest pollinators. They're the most important pollinators across the world. So without pollination, fertilisation can't happen, Mm -hmm. fruit won't grow, seeds fail, people die. And we're all hungry. We're all in famine. It's terrible. And and Michelle, I have noticed in the last, I'm going to say two to three years, there's been a lot more bee news. There's a lot of bee news because we're in a bit of trouble with bees. We, in Australia, have a wonderful biosecurity record, as you know. We do, yes. And there's a terrible mite that's called the varroa mite, V-A-R-R-O-A. The varroa mite actually attacks... No. Varroa. I know. It sounds nasty, doesn't it? Yeah, they've given it a name that is onomatopoeia. That's it, exactly. It's it's got like... 
Ew. Yeah, it's got little prongs and an angry face, this mite. You're very, very, you're very, very accurate to uh, characterise it that way because the, the mite prefers to feed on the larvae, the little bees that have only just been born. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to step right back oh. and I'm going to tell you all about the way that the bees are born mm. and the jobs that the bees have across the hive. Mm. So bees are facing at the moment a perfect storm. It's a maelstrom, if you want an M word, of crap circumstances. Mm. Researchers are seeking to understand and arrest the decline of bee populations that's being seen across the world. And the reason they need to do that is the pollination story we just told. Mm -hmm. So there are natural and anthropogenic disturbances that are causing the problems with bees. And we've actually had a bit of a chat about bees when we talked about malady. Mm. because the varroa mite is indeed the malady that they suffer. So bees pollinate in spring, as you know, when the flowers are at their bloomiest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There are more species of bee than there are species of bird. There are 20,000 species of bees. More species of bees than there are of birds. Across the world, absolutely. What? Yep. There's a lot of different types of bee and most of them are out there doing a really, really freaking important job for our, us and our food. Mm. So I had uh, no idea. And, oh, neither did I. I had no idea. So this has been a very, very exciting thing to look into. In a colony, this will blow your mind, there are 35,000 bees living in there. In a hive. In one hive, in one... Okay, sorry, I already have questions. Mm, Go. So is that guaranteed that you will open up a hive and there'll be 35,000? There will never be 34,992? Well, there might be. I think that what we need to do is look at that number as a a guide, definitely. Mm -hmm. But it's a big number. It's huge. And most of those bees are ladies. Oh. Yeah. So there's three different types of bee. There's workers, that's the women. There's drones, they're blokes. And then there's the queen. Oh, that's me. Your baby, it is. So you. When you find out how the queen is made, you mightn't want to be the queen anymore. Okay. Yeah. I um, I reserve the right to renege that. <laughs> I would like to point out what I love about that is that the workers are the women. Well, the workers are the women and the workers also don't need the drones around for most of the time. Well, isn't that just... For most of the time, it's just the ladies getting the work done. I love it. So the worker bees are cleaning, they're guarding the nest, they're collecting the nectar, and they're making the honey. Okay. So... That's all the work. They're pretty darn important. That's everything. Unless you're a drone, which is pretty much there just to do the sexy sexy with the queen Mm. or the queen. So male drones are only around in the summer, as I said, and they mate with the queen and then they're kicked out. Okay, so the okay, so males are only in the door opens for just a few months of the year. Yep, and they all buzz in, mm-hmm. and then they have the hanky panky with just the queen. So the workers don't get no release, is what you're saying. The workers get nothing. Wow. The work with the workers from the moment they're born are working pretty much. This is just a little too close to home, Michelle. Well, it is, and you can see where some of the horror movies come from and mm. the ideas of, yeah, and that will certainly become even more apparent when we talk about royal jelly. So the male drones are around in the summer. They mount the queen in the air while they're flying. The blokes insert their endophallus into the queen and they ejaculate semen all whilst hovering around in the air. 
Let's all take a moment to visualise the Queen emerging. Have you heard the tradies' explanation of a little tiny... Bees uh, dick. That's it. It's a bees. It's a bees dick. So that's actually based on the fact that bees actually have a little dick. they got an endophilus. You, you could really impress the next tradie working at your place and say... Oh, it's about an endophel, a bee's endophelus long. Oh, my God. You might confuse him a little bit. Yeah, I think that might be misconstrued slightly. So they do this all, this ejaculation. Lots of them do this with the Queen. She's she's not doing this with one bloke. No, well, she's the Queen. Yep. So when she comes out and has her flight of fancy, for lack of a better metaphor, and you may not know this, but is it like, like how long does the procreation take? And further, once one has spent himself, does another fly in and pump straight away? Or is this over a period of time? It's over a period of time, but it's only across spring. Once spring's done, She's those workers get ch- chucked out. And where? No, the drones. Uh, sorry, the drones get and, chucked out by and, the workers. And what happens to those drones? <sighs> it's not good, you know, they're sent out to fend for themselves and they can't fend for themselves. They've heard the workers feeding them, so they die. Right. So, it's all right, though. Their semen lives on in many, 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 many bees. Wow. But it's an interesting way of having the babies because uh, once the uh, fertilisation has happened of the queen, she then goes and lays a whole heap of eggs. She in, lays around 2,000 per day. Oh, my God. Yep. In the hive? Yep. So she has a couple of months of letting her hair down, the doors open, all the drones come in. Lots and of air sex. It's a big conga line of bee, you know, fornication. Yep. Then she's had enough. She closes the door and she's popping out around 2,000 eggs a day in her hive. And then she works out. She assigns gender to those egg sacs. How on earth does she do that? Partially with royal jelly. And the rest of it, I'm not sure. Oh, my God. So because of the chemicals or because of the... Um, yes, exactly. She's able to work out... This much to, this will make a boy and that much that Exactly. Will make. So that sack is going to be workers and that sack is going to be drones. Oh, my goodness me. Yep. And every single bee in that hive, therefore, is her progeny. <gasps> what? Mm. Not only her progeny, but like her decision. Uh-huh. You know, she would look down at, you know, drone number 17,412 and think, I chose you before you even popped out. She'd the ultimate, baby. She'd the ultimate. Now, it's really interesting the way that a queen is crowned. I like the idea of crowning the queen, so I'm going to call it that, even though in the science literature I didn't see that word anywhere, but it suits me. So, royal jelly is the... Honeybee's mother's milk. It is so powerful and very, very important. It's a protein-rich secretion that comes out of the worker bees' heads. I'm sorry, what? I knew you'd love this topic. It's so good, isn't it? (laughs) Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. And I'm closing my eyes to, again, visualise. This is a very visual topic. So, okay, so the royal jelly, which is a protein and super-duper potent... The queen doesn't produce, the workers do. The women, the tribe inside the hive that she has, you know, pollinating and cleaning and guarding, she then squeezes their heads a little bit and out pops a bit of this jelly. That's it. And only the worker bees that have been assigned nurse roles. (laughs) 
So it's amazing. The organisational chart. The hierarchy. <laughs> yeah. Of a hive. The hive hierarchy is fascinating. Fascinating. This, so, is, this is incredible. And, and to become a queen is kind of an accident of birth. The way that it works is that nurse bees, after the larvae has hatched, they choose 10 to 20 newly hatched females and they start feeding them a shitload more royal jelly than anybody else gets. And, and, and I'm assuming that royal jelly, because of this potency and its chemical ability to change gender and probably it's, you know, it, it would be akin to, let's say, an extra teaspoon of Milo in the drink for a three-year-old than just a bit of Ovaltine. And that extra uh, spoonful of Milo would activate. switch on or activate craziness in that child. I've seen it happen when they go, Whoa! with the sugar. Yeah. So if you think think about it's the same sort of idea for creating a queen. You pour more and more and more of the royal jelly on her and eventually in one of those bees the reproductive tract is switched on. Oh my goodness. She's then able to do what all of the worker bees can't do which is reproduce. But they are programmed to make this happen. So okay, so they know they're a worker. They they've They've accepted where they place in the hierarchy of this hive of 35,000 bees, yet part of that is to continue on, if you're a nurse, Mm. is to continue on secreting your royal jelly onto one of ten select eggs, which I'm assuming chosen at random, to activate the ability for her to reproduce or the new one to reproduce. Is an evolution. What wonderful. are you talking about, Michelle? This is Don't so, you just love nature? It's so, so beautiful. It's simple yet so complicated at the same time. Like you my bet. brain is seeing the simplicity in this organisation, but at the same time, can you imagine the administration? Well, that's right. And I, I think we need to take something from the fact that, as you say, the hierarchy is all about the females, mm. and it's all about them really running the show. So the queen fertilises and lays eggs mm. based upon the cell size. So you know the little cells that are in a hive? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Based upon the size of those, she'll secrete a group of eggs into, into those cells. The larger cells are generally for drones and the smaller cells are for workers. Mm. Interesting. So I think that there's something about their proximity while they develop, right. while they mature, right. I think. Uh, but it, it's highly complex, so I've just taken a, an, an, an overview, I guess. The fertilised eggs are the female bees, workers and queens. Mm. The non-fertilised eggs are the male bees, they're the drones. Mm. Wow. Yep. A virgin queen will fly to a site where thousands of male honeybees are waiting she mates with them there and then she goes back to her hive. So I think that means that it's possible that she mates with drones that are not actually part of her tribe. Oh, so when, in other words, when the door is open, honey, we ain't clocking no cards. You can just walk on in. We aren't even screening, honey. She's ready. She's you not bet. even looking. She's just like, you get one, you get one, you get one. That's it, exactly. Now, the other thing that the bees are doing in flight, not only are they fucking, but they're also actually creating a plan for their mates to know where the local flowers are, where the highest value resource of flowers is. The way they do that is to communicate with a waggling dance. Now, I've chosen to focus today on the germination, the origin story of bees, 
But the waggle dance story is another whole incredible part of what they do. In short, bees teach are teaching us about organisational behaviour, planning and teamwork. Their mannerisms through and dancing, their... Through dancing, no less, which, Michelle, you and I both know is an extremely valuable form of communication. Well, what I like to call expression. this is the bee twerk. <laughs> their mannerisms and their social interactions may inform the design of human initiatives, like, for example, emergency evacuation planning, because honeybee dancers or waggles or waggles can define changes in the um, in the environment. What they do, in essence, is like taking snapshots. There's a snapshot hypothesis that hypothesises that what the bees are doing is working out the distance between and the the relation between a rock and the hive, mm. they they work that out and then they're able to confirm that for others within the tribe. It's just freaking and unbelievable. This, and this confirmation happens via communication via a waggle dance. That's correct. In, whilst, in, whilst in flagrande mento, whilst they're also, you know, giving Queenie a little... Oh, no, they do the dance either before or after the... Oh, Can't do all at once. You'd like to think it's before. Yeah, yeah. They only last for about 45 days each bee. So that's, Does that include the queen? Yes. <gasps> so and, this process Oh, is... she might last longer. I might be wrong there. But the 45 days is incredible because each bee is actually born within the hive. They're born knowing all of that information about where that rock is. Oh, my God. And if you move the hive, they keep returning to the same spot. That's mm. what made researchers understand alerted researchers, I guess, to the mm. fact that they're doing this. They communicate by the waggle, waggle dance. They show the location of flowers, how to get there, how far away they are. And um, there's a, a fascinating bloke, Dr. James Nye, and he's done some great podcasts with Radio National. The science show that Robin Williams administers and runs is wonderful, and he's done a number of interviews with Dr. James Nye from the University of Southern Carolina. The Just quickly, James Nye. That, N-I-E-H. That, could that be a relation of Bill Nye, the science No, guy? actually. No, it's spelt differently. Doesn't that – I wanted to just immediately go, Bill Nye, the science guy. Science rules. Remember him? I don't thought you were talking about Bill Nye, the actor. No, Bill Nye, the science guy. It was on ABC, you know, when we were kids, and it was this guy in a – and he wore the lab coat. And he was this really kind of nerdy looking scientist, but he would make science fun. And he had like a 10 minute little mini episode no. and it would go, Bill Nye, the science guy, science rules. Oh, that's so gorgeously lame. So we're, Exactly. So when you said Dr. Nye, I yeah. went, well, it's a hop, skip and a bee away from the same family. I remember the guy who got the egg to go into the glass. Remember him? Yes. Old bloke. Yeah, and he always wore skivvies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And looks kind of Hungarian or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had, a, had an hair. accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there was Mrs. Clark staying in the chalk for yeah. the teeth. Mm. Mm. So melatology is something I'd love to go into. I've got another whole page of interesting stuff on the Varroa mite, but... In essence, we need to arrest the march of the Varroa mud into Australia. It's made it into New South Wales, so we're in a bit of, a bit so, of shit. Yeah, look, I won't, there's a thousand questions yeah. about the Varroa mud I'd like to ask, but we, yep. we can't limit That's too right. much. But in summary, this little fucker is putting all of these colonies and therefore food on our table potentially at risk. Yes, its name is actually the Varroa Destructor. 
so that gives you pretty much... Not very subtle. Uh, uh, yeah, everything you need to know. It's in New South Wales. The problem is that it means the collapse and death of European honeybee colonies. Mm. They're weakened by these mites and they end up, as I say, the larva, unfortunately, are the, are the target. And, yeah, they scatter the brood, cripple the honeybees and cause them to crawl and not fly. And when a, f- a bee can't fly, it dies. My goodness. Yeah. So, look, there's ha- happy news in so far as the Queen's getting a lot of sex. There's sad news <laughs> in that the varroa mite is, is, uh, is, is having its day. And there's also happy news for you and me. I'll finish on this. Royal jelly, as you probably know, is highly sought after. It's very expensive. People put it on their faces. People drink it and eat it. Mm. It's a collagen enhancer, apparently, and it boosts the skin's production of collagen and helps to protect our skin against ultraviolet radiation. Amazing. I am learned, Michelle. I'm learned about bees. I I knew about, honestly, 5% of this. And, you know, the destructor, doesn't it just tell you? It reminds me of a little throwback to season two of Vlad the Impaler. Yes, or Satan to the missile. Sometimes you get given a name and there's no question what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's clear. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome. I'm going to jump into mine now. So as you know, modern science or science in general for me, a little prickly. Yeah. However, you know, I do enjoy the research and I would like to start by putting out there that my word and subsequent information that I'm going to discuss, you know, I might get a few things wrong. By that, I mean the language. So I just want to point that out because I don't necessarily have the uh, wherewithal and the mind of a scientist. We haven't had time to get a science degree, have we? We've been too busy. Well, you know, too busy. So, look, I've got a plethora of M words under the banner of modern science for you. We're going to have an M orgy, or as I'd like to call it, a morgy. <laughs> look, the first one for me is mRNA. Okay, have you heard of that? I have. What is it? I don't know what it stands for, but I know that I've got a lot of it in me right now from. <laughs> I've had four boosters indeed. Yes. Okay. So what I want to talk about to begin with is, and you know, I'm doing this because it is topical and there's going to be a lot of different opinions on this, but whether you're pro or anti makes no difference. Let's this talk- is not a political discussion, no, is it? On we're here to where, talk about where we stand. The, mm. the science of it. So mRNA stands for messenger RNA. So uh, as we know, vaccines prevent infection by preparing the body to fight foreign invaders, such as bacteria, virus, pathogens, etc. When these vaccines are introduced to the body, they are harmless, they've been tested, and they're either made up of really small amounts of virus, bacteria, or dead strains of it. Okay, so it could be either. It can be either. And historically speaking, they weren't mRNA versions. They would take a small slice of this virus or this bacteria, they would inject it into you. What happens is the body's uh, white blood cell or immune response system is immediately alerted to the fact that there's something that is connecting on a cellular level that is not meant to be there. Mm -hmm. And so the little white blood cell army pop out into your blood Mm -hmm. and immediately locate it. And what they do is when they locate it, they imprint and destroy. Okay. So when uh, we're talking the flu shot, for example. Correct. Okay. So it will, your white blood cell count, your little army of men that I like to call it, or woman or whatever, your little army will go. Non-gendered army, let's say. Gender unspecified because it's a blood cell. (laughs) (laughs) They will 
immediately be alerted. The automatic immune system response is immediate. They get alerted. They go and find in the body where this has been introduced. But in doing so, in the finding, there's an immediate imprint and then a destruction. By imprint, what I mean is it learns when it arrives, and I'm being too literal here, but it understands what it's looking at. It's kind of like kind of like if you and I hug. Mm. Okay. So I walk up to you, I give you a hug and immediately there's parts of my consciousness that know your height, you know, know, um, you got to read on me. Yeah. I've got to read on you. I know what, what color your skin is, where, what your hair looks like. I might not be conscious of it in the moment. I might not be actually like aware that I'm taking all this information, but I am. And it's the same thing with what the white blood cells do when they encounter the vaccine. That's a really good analogy. So yeah, because the next time you see me, you can, you can, have all that data in mind already. Correct. Yeah, good. Correct. So COVID hits Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to go into all of that because we all lived it and continue to do so. Mm -hmm. However, the world goes into lockdown. I'm going to use some sweeping generalizations. The whole world goes into lockdown and there is no vaccine. There is no vaccine. Why? Because it is a novel coronavirus. Ah, okay. So it's a surprise. We've not seen this type of thing before. We we grabbed a little bit of out, of out of someone's cough. We put it under a microscope and went, well... What the hell is this? Well, well, well. It looks a bit like the SARS though, doesn't it? It is connected to that family and yep. there are a few others in that family, but it's new. The swine flu, I think too. Yep. There's yeah. a few of them, but it's new. So we look at it and we think, because obviously whenever there's a new virus or bacteria, um, Our first thought is, particularly when we're all locked up and everything's grinding to a halt, that we need to vaccinate people against this, Mm. which we've been doing since, you know, modern science 200, 100 years ago began with all sorts of things. You know, babies have to have five shots, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yep. Polio got eradicated. Mm. Exactly. So, but all of a sudden we're looking at one under the microscope and we go, it's new. Oh. So we can't vaccinate because we don't have, we don't know, first of all, the one that we're looking at now is live. So we can't introduce that to anyone's system. We've got no dead bits of it. No. And we we also don't have the wherewithal or the knowledge because it's so new to even take 5% of that to introduce it to someone because we don't know what the response is going to be. And we don't know whether we can use a vaccination that we've previously used for another type of problem. Okay. In walks mRNA. So mRNA vaccines work by introducing a piece of the messenger RNA that corresponds to a viral protein, usually a small piece of protein found on the virus's outer membrane. And when it's found on the outer membrane, it can be mimicked. Okay, so they scrape a bit off and then they can create synthetic versions of that. Pretty much. So proteins in science in the last, oh, I don't know how, in the last past... Thank you. In the last little while. Yeah, I don't know actually how long, but proteins are now something that we've been able to um, create. Yep. So we've been able to create various different proteins across the board for various different reasons. Yep. And so a cell on a cellular level, on the outside of the cell, what's protecting it is a protein. Okay. And so immediately scientists went to work on how we can duplicate the protein found inside the coronavirus or COVID-19 cell. So they're going to be a lot more sure of that as a vaccine yes. than using something using something that's organic. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Untested, it would never happen. I'm telling you right now, ethically, and on the World Health Organization immediately, because there was a few at the start that went, okay, here is the COVID-19 cell. 
I'm going to cut it in a third and squish it in Michelle and that'll, you know, vaccinate her against the possible getting it of the future. And everyone shuts it down immediately because we don't know. Your legs could fall off. Yeah. There's absolutely no evidence or research around that because... Novell. And yet the testing regime must have been accelerated and incredibly detailed. Well, okay, so what happened was when they realised, okay, what we're going to have to do is replicate the protein that's around the cell of the COVID-19 virus... And this was about roughly, and I'm going to, you know, generally speaking, around six months into uh, 2020 of the major part of the pandemic, when mm. many, many people were ill across the world, and no one knew what was happening. And economies were starting to fail because well, everybody couldn't work. There was a tension rising. Oh, yeah. So all of a sudden, glorious amounts of money across the world were channeled and funneled into researching mRNA technology to create a vaccine against COVID-19. And was it only Moderna that was doing that work or were there others as well, sort of simultaneously? There were others, but mm-hmm. Moderna was the one that got the majority of the money. Right. Because they've already, they're known for the protein synthesis and introducing that into various different things. Another another place that Moderna have done it, I believe, is with the spray-on skin. Yeah, okay. So have you heard about the spray-on? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so spray-on skin, again, is a duplicated protein that once it actually attaches itself to our cells on a skin level, absorbs and becomes part of. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Fascinating. Okay, cool. And so, but that, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that one or that I mentioned that one because that was actually a mistake when they... um, The skin. The spray spray on skin was a complete error. Really? Yeah, they were researching something else altogether and they realised that the protein that they'd created would work in unison with the skin cell levels to immediately treat burn and other... Was it Fiona Stanley who was doing that work? Don't know. In in Perth. It's an Australian innovation though. So, so look, Moderna and mRNA are my two big words there. And look, I've done my best to explain how the mRNA vaccine um, was created and why. But then, my love, six months into COVID, billions of dollars are given to all sorts of companies, including AstraZeneca and Oxford AstraZeneca, and then there was Pfizer, and then there was Moderna, and I think there were two or three others. I think so, yeah. But I think the two or three others were a bit slow to the game. But what happened was, over the next 12 months, Mm. because obviously with an mRNA technology, there is extensive testing that is required, because it's not a strain of or a dead version of the cell level of that virus or bacteria, it is... a duplicated protein version of. Mm. So there was lots of testing, rah, 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 rah. All the scientists trundled in. It was a really busy and important time for them. And they came up with a COVID-19 vaccination. And it has proven at this point, I think, to be around 90 to 95% Thumbs up. I guess what it's done is created a situation where we can live with the virus and that's something that we'll need to do into the future, isn't it? Absolutely. But guess what else it created? So when you spend that amount of time and money investing in this kind of technology, which was already percolating, but wasn't at the forefront yet because there was no need. And that does bring me to say, you know, it's incredible what human beings can create when we are under pressure that is so severe. You know, we would have got there, Mm. but all of a sudden the whole world shuts down. People are really ill. And so this pressure was put on these companies and money pumped in at such a rate that, you know, things were created much faster than they would in a a normal organic environment. Mm. 
but other things emerged that have now become game changers. And this is my next M word. I want to talk about melanoma. Mm -hmm. So mRNA and melanoma. Well, through the research and application of the mRNA technology with COVID-19, they have also found now that they can use that very same technology in terms of vaccination against a slew of other protein-based cell, uh, like uh, the outside of the cell protein-based vaccination. Oh, my Lord. As a preemptive. You're saying you might be able to prevent melanoma in the future? Moderna are at the final stages now of creating a melanoma vaccine. No way. This is based off the research that came out of the COVID-19 vaccine. Yep. And I don't need to explain it to you again because the process is almost the same as what I said about the virus. They took the proteins that surround the cell, the cancerous cell that presents as melanoma, and they've now been able to synthesize a version of that that can be used as a vaccine. So again, the little white blood cells come out, they recognize the, the wrong protein, they see something introduced into the body um, at a cellular level that shouldn't be there, they race over and they imprint and they eradicate. And in that imprint, the research is showing us that they are taking the information of what a cancerous melanoma cell looks like so that in the future, should you have any um, moment in time where your blood replicates the melanomerous cancer cell, the protein that is the protein that surrounds that cell, these white blood cells will already be alerted to and immediately know to remove it from the system. So that's only if it if it's possible that the body will create it, but the vaccine's already in the body and therefore is ready as soon. Yeah, right. It knows. So if I'm young, like a child who's just not been out in the sun, sun and so on, I get that vaccine. That's then. It protects me from melanoma, but I've still got to look after my skin, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Just like the COVID-19, you know, I got COVID after three shots. Yeah. But the COVID that I got after three shots was 15% of what potentially I could have had if I wasn't. It's fascinating to think that maybe in the future then melanoma presentation won't necessarily be as bad. Maybe you'll get it, but it won't be as bad. It won't kill you. Well, what they're finding is that, because they've obviously done extensive research in this, is that it is removing it 100% from the system. Really? 100%. So it recognises the protein surrounding that cancerous cell and it removes it without thought because it's already been introduced to that protein via a vaccination. What a beautiful side project out of COVID. Thanks, COVID. What an incredible mistake. (gasps) It's a mistake. Well, they weren't looking to find this out about True, melanoma. exactly. And this is the tip of the iceberg. I'm feeling a Matthews Monday mood coming up. I do have a mood, Michelle, and I can, you can hear it in my voice. And I love that so much is learnt from mistakes. It's and beautiful. Another M word for you. My Monday mood today is the celebration and sharing of mistakes. I love it. Let me tell you, Michelle, I've made a few in my time. <laughs> oh, I've never made one. I've made a couple. <laughs> you know, I've got some tattoos that are, yeah, yeah. And I just want to, I want to tell you yep. and our devalued listeners that mistakes are part of our tapestry of learning, of our experience, of our shared connection. We all make them. 
But we can only harness them, I suppose, if we're in the right environment. And clearly, Moderna were, were turned on to uh, looking out for exactly. opportunities out of mistakes. Exactly. I love that we've given the M treatment to science. We do acknowledge that science is not necessarily always our friend, but today mm. I felt pretty friendly. Yes, and I've learnt a lot about Queen Bee and how she squeezes the workers' heads to get out some of that jelly. And then swims around in it for a while. My Dear Valued Listener, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Eminem. Uh, Michelle and I are over the moon to be sitting next to each other and exploring M-Words with you again, and we really appreciate it. And we'd like to invite you to follow us on Spotify, you know, like, share, all of those delicious things. We are also on Instagram, Michelle. What's our We're Instagram? everywhere. We're all like, we're, oh, I don't know our handle, for heaven's sake. <laughs> it's Eminem the podcast. Oh, the hashtag Eminem the podcast. And devalued listener, it's the letter M, A-N-D-E-M. So it looks as if you've written mandem, but it's Eminem. That's right, exactly. Click, like, share, follow, support and love. Get us at any of our platforms. We love you. We're glad to be back and we'll see you next week. Thanks, devalued listener. Bye. Bye.